Welcome back to another episode of Sunday Golds, Arya Masudi and Brett Nevitt. This is our second episode of the week. And uh, in our last episode, we chatted a little bit after a, a disappointing weekend against Notre Dame and Florida State, a five-game losing streak going into the midweek. And Tuesday got washed out uh, against JU. Wednesday almost got washed out against Stetson, but the Hatters hung around and uh, Florida State uh, and Stetson ended up playing uh, around seven o'clock and uh, a game that actually took a while uh, because it went 12 innings. Something about these Knowles and extra inning games. And uh, thank God this time Florida State had an answer. They were able to win the game. Uh, Jordan carry on big moment, uh, bringing in a run to win it. And uh, before that, Jackson Green with a, a two run pinch hit tying bomb in the bottom of the ninth to extend the game. Brett. Uh, I know you and I both said we didn't want to make a whole lot out of any one game. We didn't want to oversell moments uh, because it is a long season. And just in the same way that, you know, we try to stay neutral and, and even keeled about losses, you got to talk about wins too in the same way. But how bad do you think Florida State needed a win uh, on Wednesday night the way that it happened too? Yeah, I think that was the most this team's ever needed a win since I've been here at least. Um I mean, and I think especially the way it was done, I think it will be a good thing for them moving forward. I mean, when we do press conferences, we're right next to the locker room and the traditions room. And I think that's the loudest that the, the locker room has been in a long time, maybe ever uh, after that game. Um, you know, and the guys were just, it just, it's a big relief and it's a weight lifted off their shoulder. And I think a lot of these guys are pressing and, you know, it just takes one to turn it around. It takes one hit, it takes one win. Um, so, you know, not taking way too much off from this game, just on what we think of this team, but, you know, overall, just to get that win, um, it gives you a lot better feeling heading up to Atlanta on this road trip. Uh, it really does. And Florida state now 17 and 11 on the year. And, you know, you don't want to look at postseason picture too much because it is early April and a lot of baseball left to be played, but Florida state RPI had dropped into the thirties and, you know, the first regional projections had come out and you're a two seed on the road. Um, and so, you know, you start to think, hey, you can't really lose six, seven, eight in a row, especially when you're about to go play a really good Georgia Tech team on the road. Um, and a Georgia Tech team, by the way, that plays really well at, at Russ Chandler Stadium uh, in their home park. So you had to rack up a win where you could. Uh, baseball is one of those sports where it's funny, right? Like Stetson played just as well as Florida State did. And on that day, it was FSU who made one extra play uh, to come away with a big victory. Uh, we have to talk, Brett, about how good Carson Montgomery was uh, because the the story with him since he's got here is command, trying to have confidence, trying to make it through four or five innings, being able to get through a lineup multiple times. And to me, other than like the first inning bomb that he gave up on like an ambush pitch, I think it was a first pitch fastball that the kid took I felt like off the top of the light tower. I mean, it was an absolute bomb. Uh, other than that, that's as good as Carson Montgomery has pitched that I've seen with my two eyes. Yeah, and a, a bit of an unlucky line where he leaves, leaves two inherited runners in. They both score. Um, so ends up being three earned runs. But, you know, without looking at the stat line, I mean, just watching him pitch, it just he was in complete control of the game, it felt like, at all times. Um, I mean, just simply dominating some of their hitters at times. It just, I mean, felt like there were a lot of three strike Ks. Um, there were a lot of innings where it was just, it just felt like he struck out three in, in a hurry and the inning was over all of a sudden. Um, I think 13 Ks is, is a career high for Carson. And I mean, he went 6.1 innings with only throwing 81 pitches. Uh, you know, if he doesn't run into trouble there in the seventh, I mean, he, he really he had, you know, his, he was sufficient enough to go that whole game if, if they really needed him to. Um, but I mean, it, it's just good to see him bounce back from Florida start. You know, I didn't think he was awful. Just made a couple of mistakes there, but to see him come back and throw well again, um, you know, like you said, that for that home run, the first thing was probably one of the farther ones I've ever, I've ever seen in person. Um, but just got a fastball ambushed up in the middle on the first pitch. Um, overall, I just think, you know, we have to be really excited with what Carson's done this year and kind of the maturation and development that he, that he's had. Um, he's starting to be really dominant with the strike counts. He's efficient. He's throwing strikes. He threw 74% strikes last night. Uh, you can't ask for much more than that. 
And I think you pointed out what, something that stood out to me. It was 81 pitches into the seventh. I mean, when he got taken out, he could have gone a, a whole nother inning. Uh, I know mechanically it looked like he started to uh, push some balls and uh, his release point was kind of messing up with him there in the seventh and, and meat decided to go to a different arm, but um, hat tip to Carson Montgomery, because that is a future weekend starter. And, um, you know, 13 strikeouts doesn't just grow on trees. Now that premium stuff is hard to find and uh, a credit to Carson Montgomery for continuing his maturation process. The slider, by the way, Brett, I thought was as good as I've seen it. He was landing it for strikes. He was uh, bending it off the plate when he needed a strikeout. Um, and that to me is the key to Carson Montgomery. Um, when he feels good with the slider, I feel like it gives him confidence uh, to be able to punch that fastball in there and, um, not to say he pitches backwards, but I think it allows him uh, to just kind of calm down um, when the slider is working um, and kind of pitch really well. And I think the thing is when the slider is working, it kind of gives him the ability to throw it whenever he wants. And really that is his best pitch. I think when it comes to just, you know, giving hitters troubles. And I think when he goes, when he's able to have that slider, whenever he wants, he can really just dominate fastball slider and, even though it's only two pitches when he plays those two off each other, he can be just as dominant as he was last night. I think a credit too has to be given to the bullpen again uh, for coming in. And um, man, some of these guys are, are pitching at, at the highest levels we've seen. Right. I mean, um, I could go down the list uh, in that and, and Baumeister and uh, Davis Hare continues to have the best season he's had um, in Tallahassee and um, Wyatt Crowell. I think he's ticking upwards as well. Yeah, and I think Jackson had a, a really good eighth inning and, you know, kind of an unlucky full count walk. I think it was a really long A-B in the ninth, and then he gets pulled, and then they end up scoring that inherited run. So he had to run his line. But, you know, I think we just see Jackson to keep building his confidence and, and keep getting better and better. Um, you know, fastball just keeps, you know, hitters just really don't have a chance against his fastball when it's on. Um, you know, Wyatt gets better and better, and it seems like he's – he's at his best in extra innings so far this year when they really need it the most. And, you know, that pressure has kind of let him be what he can be. And that's a really good lefty arm and, you know, a lefty arm that can get righties and lefties out. Um, and he's a lot like Carson when he can just go fastball slider when the slider's working, um, you know, hitters don't really have much of a chance with the fastball under the hands and in the slider working away from them or to the back foot for righties. Um, you know, I think Davis, you know, gave up some more hard con hard contact with this, you know, against Stetson than he has all year, uh, but limited the damage and just made pitches when he needed to. And he, he's been doing a good job of, the, of that this year. And he's just been showing off that, you know, that experience he has. And, um, you know, still think this is the best that his splitters ever looked here. And, um, you know, I have to shout out Colton Vincent for the way he catches Davis. Um, the only reason Davis is able to throw the way he does is because Colton's back there blocking every splitter and, and sinker in the dirt. Um, you know, Davis has to throw to the dirt to, to do what he needs to do. And um, Colton's done a really good job of handling him back there. Um, I didn't love the move to Scalaro in the seventh when Jonah, when Carson came out, um, you know, ends up resulting in, you know, a couple hits and a couple runs for Stetson. Um, you know, I still think they're working out those, those roles and, um, you know, you just got to see who can do it and who can't. Um, like we've mentioned multiple times, Jonas is going to be a valuable piece for this team. But, you know, I think he needs to be put in some better pos positions to succeed for himself. And then moving on, I think, to the lineup, Brett, uh, only seven base hits, but a ton of hard contact all night long. And uh, a couple of guys who it felt like until that uh, until that ninth inning where I should say, what was it? The eighth inning was when, when Florida state started getting things going. Uh, Isaiah Perry, I believe it was in the, now I was seven. in the bottom seventh, excuse me. So after Stetson went up uh, three, nothing, it felt like Florida state had a sense of urgency uh, about the game. Um, but for about six innings there, it was like, what do these Knolls have to do for something hard to find a hole or to find green grass? Because a lot of guys were lining shots to left, to right, up the middle, uh, I mean, Stetson was making diving plays. Uh, it was a, a confusing night, but I think overall, Brett, the uh, the lineup is one that uh, I think we like going forward. Yeah, and Mean talks about it after the game, but I think the thing is when you have so many guys going through slumps and even just one guy that you kind of have to focus on putting together quality at-bats more so than 
looking at the results, um, you know, I felt like there were a lot of quality at bats last night that resulted in outs. And I mean, I mean, certain guys just had no luck last night. I think B Rob was 0 for four. Um, but overall had a really good night at the plate. I thought, I think he had two, two line outs, I think both to right field. He also had a deep, deep fly ball to center. And, you know, that's a good productive out with the runner in second and nose out, no outs and moves the runner over. But I mean, it was so humid and sticky at Dick Hauser last night. Like any ball that went there just felt like it died unless it was really crushed like that Hilton Homer, um, you know, on another day that might leave the yard for, for B Rob, but overall I just, you know, I thought he made good decisions last night. I thought he had a quality at bat every time he, 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 you know, came to the plate. So good to see that from Brett. Um, you know, Logan only had one hit and five at bats, but I thought he had two hard hit balls that resulted in outs. Um, you know, before the walk off, I thought carry on had two really good swings to the backside um, that both resulted in outs. Uh, you know, Colton had a line drive go off the pitcher that resulted in an out. Um, like you said, I mean, I was in the press box after the sixth inning and I said, I, I don't know what this team is going to have to do to ever buy a hit again. Um, it, it literally felt like we may never score a run again, not because the yeah, at-bats were horrible, but just because, I mean, Stetson's making diving catch left and right balls that dropped fairy were dropping foul. Um, I mean, it, it was just, it was at the point where as even as just a person watching it, it felt like you were kind of helpless. And, you know, I can only imagine what that feeling like is at the plate. And, um, you know, these guys, I mean, you can't blame some kids for pressing when it's going like that. Um, so just to see a hit or two drop and to see a win, like I said earlier, you know, you hope that it, it kind of relaxes them and, you know, it kind of stops that pressing at the plate. Yeah. And I mean, Chris Gonzalez came in for Stetson, by the way, in relief. And, and that's a really good story for those of you who don't maybe, you know, know it off the top. But Gonzalez was a Friday night guy for Stetson, um, I believe, back in like 2019 and was one of the better arms in the Atlantic Sun for the whole season and then had arm injuries. And he's been trying to work his way back. I think he's like a sixth year senior right now. And um, that was the Chris Gonzalez. I remember he was a weekend guy. Right. So the Friday night guy and you could see why he was one of the best pitchers in his conference. I mean, it was just, it's soft. It's not very hard, but he locates it and, and his breaking stuff's really good as well. And um, yeah, Florida state struggled with him for much of the night. And so credit to the Knowles, Jackson green comes in and oh, man, maybe the biggest moment of Florida state season uh, to date. Yeah. Just on Gonzalez. I think he was throwing like some sort of type, like screwball to FSU that was giving a lot of guys trouble and, just hard to pick up out of the hand, have a bit of a funky delivery. Um, but, you know, I think they were able to, they were able to make good substitutions late in the game, good pinch hit situations that gave FSU some life. Um, you know, I thought it was good to throw IP out there the time they did, because IP is kind of that rally starter. He can make, make things happen and, you know, just create some havoc and chaos. And when you've got so many plays from other teams, you know, they're making really good plays and, this and that IP is kind of the guy that can turn the table on them and put some pressure on you because he, what he does with his legs. Um, and you know, when IP makes contact that he hits the ball really, really hard and smoked that ball into left center. And then like I mentioned, Brett, I thought had a really productive out, uh, you know, Brock comes off the bench and he had a productive out and a hard hit ball. And even that ball, he was robbed of a, a double probably by the third baseman, but he still gets an RBI off of it. Um, and then Jackson pinch hits in the last inning as well. And, he obviously does what he did. Um, you know, that's just really good to see from Jackson, you know, meet set after the game. No one really, you know, no one really embodies what a Seminole is more than him. Never hangs his head, you know, always just kind of fulfills his role. And that's what he's done so far this year for this team. I mean, you know, he wasn't even here in fall. He comes back, um, you know, with Tyler not being ready for the start of the season, he does a really good job filling in for, you know, I think, what was it? Four weeks, five weeks. Um, and, you know, never hangs his head, doesn't do anything wrong, you know, but he just, the way the lineup works, he comes down to the lineup last week and he gets an opportunity uh, yesterday and he, he makes, he makes the most of it. Um, and that's just, that's just a really good example to set for a bunch of young guys. And it was really good to see him do that, sneak that ball down the, the left field line. I mean, yeah, like you said, I don't know if there's been a bigger moment so far this season. I mean, down to your final out, you're about to tie the, I think the school record for longest losing streak. Um, yeah, really happy to avoid that. Um, and just really big for him to come up there. And, you know, I think 
after last year, it's been really good to see Jackson come through in big moments and um, get some hits when it matters. Without a doubt. And uh, it was nice to see Florida State take advantage of another team's mistakes. And I think the the inning where Florida State ended up tying the game, there was an error by the shortstop. And then uh, I want to say a, another error um, one in the 12th, if I'm not mistaken, to allow Florida State to kind of take advantage. And, and they did. And so the Knowles deserve a lot of credit for that. Uh, Brett, before we move into our preview of Georgia Tech, we were joined by uh, a special guest, uh, very thankful for Aaron Fit of D1 Baseball to uh, come on our pod and kind of give a national perspective, maybe an outside looking in uh, thought on this FSU team this season and uh, just a different take from uh, you and I uh, talking for, for most of these podcasts. So stay with us and uh, you enjoy this podcast with, uh, excuse me, this interview with uh, Aaron Fit. All right, now joining us is Aaron Fit of D1 Baseball, the premier site covering college baseball around the country. Uh, Aaron, uh, we're midway through the season, about, about, we're getting there, a couple games, some teams have been, some teams are, are getting closer, but uh, the overall landscape of college baseball, it feels like with all those COVID uh, senior years, you're having maybe one of the most uh, quality depth college baseball seasons we've seen in, in some time. Yeah, it's been topsy-turvy for sure. You know, there's been a lot of teams that have kind of jumped up and then fallen back to the pack and uh, a couple of teams with some staying power, certainly at the top. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it feels like the whole thing feels pretty wide open. I mean, I know Tennessee is clearly looking like the top team in the country. They're just a buzzsaw. But uh, after that, I mean, I just think it's a free for all, you know, I have a hard time telling you right now who the really elite teams are. Uh, I mean, there's certain teams that have had the best seasons so far, but does that mean they're going to be the best teams at the end of the year? I'm not, I'm not so convinced. I mean, even a team like Virginia that's 25 and three having a great year. Um, I'm still not completely sold on the pitching, you know, and we'll see how that holds up as we head down the stretch. So I guess that's important to remember. We're still only halfway through the regular season. There's, there's a long way to go and a lot still to be determined. All right, Aaron, uh, looking at Florida state right now, uh, 16 and 11 on the year from the outside, looking in from a national writer's perspective. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Knowles so far through about 27 games? And uh, specifically after, uh, did you learn anything after they played Notre Dame this weekend? Yeah. I mean, I think it's time to mash that panic button. You know, let's, let's all freak out. They've lost five in a row. The sky is falling. Uh, no, I'm, I'm playing. Of course it's, it's, uh, it's April. It's early April. And, um, you know, it's, it's a long season. Everybody has ups and downs, even very good teams. Like I think Florida state is, uh, but if you look at the bigger picture, I mean, they've won six out of their seven weekends, you know, I mean, they've hit a little bit of a lull here, but they're winning their weekends. Um, I still ultimately believe this is an elite pitching staff. I still believe, as I've been saying, um, for a good chunk of the year that it will wind up being the best pitching staff in the country um, because they've got three guys that I really trust, you know, especially Parker Mesk, of course, and Bryce Hobart. But, you know, we've seen flashes of brilliance from Ross Dunn. Uh, I, I like the bullpen pieces, you know, Davis Hare and Jonas Scalaro back there, give you that veteran stability. Uh, I think they've got, you know, Jackson Baumeister, I mean, again, premium arm there who's, who's good out of the bullpen. I mean, they've, they've got a lot going for him on the mound. And I think healthy again, finally, um, you know, I know he's not playing a position yet, but getting him back in the lineup is, is going to make a huge difference because he's just such a catalyst for this team and such a leader. Um, and so, you know, it's not an elite position player group, uh, but I think it's good enough, especially with the way that they pitch. And it's good to see, you know, Reese Albert have a bounce back year and a couple of the freshmen like, like Ferrer and Tibbs um, have given him a real boost. So there's plenty there. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about this team. Ultimately, I still feel like they're an Omaha team and it's just a matter of playing well at the right time. Yeah. And one of the things too, that uh, I go back to this weekend, uh, I was t telling some of the fans, you had a chance to win Friday. You were in 12 innings. Parker Messick had a no hitter into the seventh Saturday. You were up four to two in the eighth and, and Notre Dame, you know, you got to give Link Jarrett's club a lot of credit. They, that's something that's been in their DNA. They fight back and they never, they have that never say die attitude. So you had a real chance of winning two out of the three games and, and winning the series. And that's amazing to me in baseball too, how a couple plays here and there changes the weekend. It changes the perspective right. and, and it changes everyone's perception of where you're at in the season. How are you, you know, as a national writer, how do you apply um, April baseball in, in terms of trying to have proper perspective, not just for Florida state, but for all teams. 
Yeah, I mean, I always kind of view this season as a sliding scale, and it starts, you know, at the beginning of the year, the preseason top 25 is 100% based on our projections. And then as you go, you know, results become more and more of a piece, and your body of work matters more and more. But we're still at a point now where we've got some body of work, but we also have a lot of season left to play. And so you kind of have to believe in the talent, you know, and, and there just aren't a lot of teams that have the frontline starting pitching that Florida State has. You know, there's a couple. Um, and that's still something that I'm going to, I'm going to believe in and I'm going to buy. Um, and it, it's, you know, halfway through the season, like I said, almost everybody has hiccups and this is a hiccup, no question about it, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of a, um, a balancing act that you go through throughout the season. As we get into May, you know, of course you've got more and more body of work that you can look at. And once you get to the you know end of May, you are who you are. I mean, that's, you know, the results are, are what they are, but right now there's still plenty of time for these teams to, to improve and, and, and get hot and make runs. And you talk about how much you like Florida state's rotation with, uh, of course, Messick and Hubbard and then Ross Dunn. Um, in the lineup, who do you think are guys that have to start to be catalysts if the Knowles are going to turn the corner here? And uh, I don't want to say turn the corner, but kind of get back into that national seed top eight picture and, and try and maybe solidify a, a regional host spot. Yeah. I mean, obviously Tyler Martin is, is a big piece of it. As we talked about, um, you know, the, the, the more reps he gets, you, you got to figure it'll take a little time for the timing to completely catch up there. Um, guy who's, who hasn't played yet this year until this past, what this past week, right. When he, he first came back, um, so, you know, that, that's going to be a key piece because he works the count. He just has the classic Florida state approach, just a grind out at bats, that kind of thing. He, he sets the tone for that team, I think. So, um, you know, but I think Logan Lacey, um, you know, Brett Roberts, these are guys that have, have had okay years, but there's more, there's more there for those guys. They're, they're good players. I think, um, they're capable of, of getting hot with the bat and, and providing, you know, even more production and, you know, Terrell too, he's, he's, he's giving you some power there. Um, but, you know, I'd like to see some more consistent at bats. I mean, there's going to be swing and miss with him. It's just, that comes with the, the territory. It's a trade-off. He's going to give you home runs. He can give you strikeouts, but maybe a little more consistent at bats from him would be, would be good to see. So, I mean, these guys have ability and uh, it's just a matter of trying to find some rhythm here as an offense. In the ACC, Aaron, uh, who are some teams that have maybe surprised you to this state? I know Virginia has kind of been the darling of the conference uh, with the way they've played. But like you said, some reservations about if, if that hot, if they're just hot to start a season, as opposed to it feels like in the past, they start slow and then they get hot. So we'll see how that yeah. goes. Um, are there a couple other teams that have caught your eye? And is there one or two teams that you felt like would do more uh, up to this point? Yeah, it's been an interesting year so far in the ACC. Um, you know, you've got a team like Virginia Tech right now that's kind of surging and, and looking like a potential regional team. They just won a series uh, from North Carolina. And um, you've got Wake Forest, I think, has, has exceeded expectations, a team that had not met expectations the last couple of years. Um, and finally we, we kind of like, all right, these guys need to prove it. And they are, they're actually, you know, they're, they're playing good baseball. They want, they swept Georgia tech on the road, you know, six and six in the league. They're, they're looking like positioned to be a regional team, uh, a team that also has some pretty exciting pitching over there as well as, you know, a productive lineup that uh, lost a lot of pieces from last year. I've been, I've been surprised how well they've, they've handled that, you know, and, and they have improved defensively. It's still not an elite defense, but it was awful last year and they've gotten better. Um, so, you know, that, that's one that has been a pleasant surprise. North Carolina and Clemson got off to great starts, um, which at the time was a little surprising because we thought they were kind of borderline regional teams heading into the year. They both kind of fallen back to the pack. Clemson, especially, you know, seems like they're, they're going to be fighting now to, to get themselves back into regional position. North Carolina, I think will be okay. Um, but you know, those are two teams that have been on that, that roller coaster ride along with NC state, you know, that started hot and then lost, I think three straight weekends. And now they've kind of righted the ship, but that's one that I, I would buy long-term. I think NC state has um, a lot of upside. Um, certainly, you know, it's a new look lineup, but they lost seven of their, their nine position players from last year, but they placed them with really good pieces. So, um, yeah, it, I guess the biggest disappointment is Duke. I mean, that was a preseason top 25 team for us for them to be sitting here at three and nine in the league and 12 and 16 overall is, is an eyebrow raiser. And they just haven't gotten, um, the kind of production that I expected they would get from a couple of their really lead arms. I mean, guys that I thought were lead arms, Marcus Johnson and Luke Fox have not had the kind of years. I mean, I, I thought that was going to be a really, really good one, two punch. And, um, 
it hasn't been. And so that's, that's, that's an issue. I mean, Mar- Marcus has been okay, but you know, Fox has really struggled. Um, and, and so, you know, at this point, like they, they were in this position last year, where we all wrote them off and left them for dead midway through the year. And then they, they made a run and won the ACC tournament and, you know, got into a regional. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen this year. I just think that, you know, they're, they're young up the middle. Uh, they're two freshmen. They're really counting on Alex Mooney uh, and Andrew Yu. I mean, it's been a struggle for those guys as first year players at premium positions, catcher and shortstop. So uh, Duke is a team that I still think is, you know, could make a run. I'm not ready to stick a fork in them because I've done that before and I've been burned, but to this point, they've been a disappointment. So this weekend, Florida state takes on Georgia tech uh, in Atlanta. That should be a pretty fun series over there. What do you like about the yellow jackets and uh, what do you think will be the keys in the series between the Knowles and the jackets? Yeah, uh, Georgia Tech can really hit, you know, so this is really a matchup of strength versus strength. Florida State's pitching against Georgia Tech's offense. Um, there's no question Georgia Tech has one of the best offenses in the country for me. I mean, it's, it's now that they have Chandler Simpson back. I think they, you know, they kind of slumped coinciding with when they lost Chandler Simpson, uh, either dynamic table setter, you know, one of the fastest guys in the country and just uh, gives them an added dimension and kind of solidifies their defense in the middle infield too. He's not an elite defender, but he makes plays. Um, And so, you know, getting him back, we'll see if that can spark them a little bit, but they just need to figure out the the pitching piece and, you know, the defense too has been not great. Um, And, and so, you know, we'll see if they can, they can, can get that figured out this weekend. I mean, it seemed like they had a chance this past week, they won the first game at Virginia and they just got blown out the next two days. And so run prevention is an issue for them right now. Uh, But, you know, we'll see if Florida state can keep those big bats in check. And then of course, uh, Aaron, uh, the last question uh, nationally um, right now, Tennessee seems to be the cream of the crop. Uh, Texas is having a pretty nice year too, but uh, what do we make of the national picture right now? It feels like uh, the SEC is still very strong, some good teams in the ACC, but there have been some surprise teams too, I think, that have started to creep into your top 20 and top 15. Yeah, how about Texas State sitting there at number 10 in our rankings right now? Uh, that's a team nobody saw coming, you know, but they, they won a series at Arizona, which was, which was very loud, and they just, you know, they haven't, they haven't stubbed their toe yet. You know, I think they've won every weekend, and um, you know, they just kind of earned that spot with their consistency, good bullpen there. Uh, it's a tough lineup that competes. So that's been one of the surprise teams. Uh, we liked Gonzaga heading into the year, but, uh, when they went on the road to Oklahoma state and swept them in Stillwater, that was loud. And so, you know, they're sitting there 17 in the rankings. Southern miss is another kind of, you know, I guess you would call them mid major, the, these non-power five teams. Uh, I think Southern miss is a potential Omaha team really like their roster, great pitching balanced, um, lineup, you know, with some length to it. They got a lot of power, uh, some swing and miss, but they do have power. And so, you know, those are, those are three teams to, to keep an eye on from outside the power five, but at the top, I mean, you know, Tennessee is the team to beat in college baseball. They just swept Ole Miss and Vanderbilt on the road and back-to-back weekends. I mean, that's, that's crazy to me. And they just shut down those two very dangerous offenses in doing it. So um, Arkansas has been very consistent, kind of under the radar is the number two team in the country. They haven't lost a weekend. I mean, they haven't lost a weekend since 2020, uh, not counting super regionals last year, but uh, you know, so, so those two teams right now in Virginia, feel like they've separated themselves a little bit with their body of work to this point. Big Te- Big 12 feels like a free-for-all between Texas Tech, Texas, and Oklahoma State. Uh, I think those three teams are going to battle it out in TCU potentially as well. But Big 12 uh, looks pretty strong this year with maybe seven potential teams vying for regional spots out of a nine-team league. Um, we'll see how that shapes up. And and the SEC is the SEC. I mean, it's it's always strong, but it, it does feel like there's a little bit more of a gap this year. You know, once you get past those first couple teams, maybe Georgia, um, but, you know, Ole Miss, I mean, LSU, these are teams that we, we liked a lot, preseason top 10 teams that have been a little, you know, have had their issues. Um, and, and pitching is, we talked about it, there's not a lot of frontline pitching around the country. These teams don't really have frontline pitching. They have great offenses. Uh, in LSU's case, their defense is atrocious. So, you know, we'll see if their great offense can, can carry them through. But there's a lot of teams that have question marks like that. There's, there's plenty of bats and not that many arms this year. A couple of big wins for uh, Louisiana Tech and Southern Miss uh, over these SEC teams in the last couple of weeks in the midweek. So, uh, no doubt, can anybody in the in the SEC slow down Tennessee this season? Do we start to see some losses pile up, or are we going to see a, a fifty-plus win Tennessee team? Boy, I mean, you know, 
at this point, the schedule actually opens up for them. I mean, they just got through the tough part of their schedule at Ole Miss, at Vanderbilt. Now they got Missouri at home. They got Alabama at home. They go to Florida, who's kind of struggled now. They got Auburn at home. And they got at Kentucky versus Georgia. I mean, it's really manageable going forward. And so I start to wonder if maybe that 26 and three mark that Vanderbilt set uh, an SEC play, I think it was 2013, that, that mark could be in jeopardy. I mean, right now it's just, there's no crack in Tennessee's armor. I mean, they, they pitch at an elite level, they hit, they lead the country in home runs by a wide margin and they defend. So um, at this point, I, I don't think I could bet against them being a 50 win team and just, you know, potentially a historic season in the works. Without a doubt. Well, Aaron, uh, last thing from you, uh, where can uh, fans find your work and, and the rest of your colleagues as well? Yeah. D one baseball.com. We got everything you need to follow the college game all season long. We got writers all over the country cranking out great content and uh, lots of podcasts on the D one baseball podcast networks. If you're into that kind of thing, um, you know, we have our first regional projections this week at the mid season mark, always fun. And uh, you know, every day there's lots of good stuff. Check us out at D one baseball.com. All right. He is Aaron fit D one baseball. Appreciate your time. You got it. All right. Thanks to Aaron fit of D one baseball. Make sure to check him out. Um, all right, Brett. Well, some things that he said that stood out to me was that he really values Florida state's pitching staff. And that's why he continues to stay high on what FSU's postseason picture could be uh, that weekend rotation. Really good. And I think that's probably an important framework to have, isn't it? Uh, to kind of value the arms over the bats. Yeah, because at the end of the day, if you don't have pitching, you're not going to win, especially, you know, in the postseason, because you've, you've just got you've got to have depth. You've got to have guys that are experienced and know how to do it, have done it and have the capability to put any team away, even really good lineups. I mean, I think Bryce, Ross and Parker are all three guys that on their best days. I don't think any team in college baseball is really touching those guys um, when you have that capability. And you also have Carson as your fourth starter and that fourth arm. And you got a Davis, you got Bob Meister, you got Crowell, you got Jonah. Um, you know, you feel really good about where you're at. And I think that's why we're never, ever going to, you know, you know, fold on this team or say this team is done because they're always going to have a chance to, to, to win every game and get hot at some point with that, that pitching staff. And, you know, if the lineup gets hot at the right time too to go along with it, then you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, Ken, uh, I'll pose this question to you. Who's going to stop Tennessee this season? I mean, that's a good question. We'll see. My only thing is it feels like in recent memory that, you know, every team that's been like that outside of, you know, Vandy a few years ago that, you know, that team that's felt like it's been all unbeatable all year in the regular season will kind of have that one finally cold weekend in the playoffs. And, you know, thinking of Arkansas last year, I mean, they didn't lose a series all year and then they – I think they, I don't know, I believe they won the SEC tournament too. And then, you know, they lose in their super regional. They, that's the first series they've lost all year and their season's over. Um, so, you know, who knows? Obviously, Tennessee looks, you know, as unbeatable as anyone right now ever, ever really has. But, you know, it's baseball, like we've said so many times, and anything can happen. And, you know, it's still April 7th. So, um, you know, we'll see how everything develops. Florida State headed to Atlanta this weekend. Uh, Brett will be there uh, for, I believe, at least a couple of the games. And uh, why we're doing this uh, pod on Zoom, uh, appreciate you guys uh, bearing with us. Brett's uh, about to be on his way to Atlanta here uh, shortly after we uh, hit the uh, end button on the Zoom. All right, Brett, uh, the Yellow Jackets, it's a team that's playing Florida State for the second year in a row. That's pretty rare. Uh, the COVID years, what allowed FSU to go up there last year um, when they rearranged the schedule. And so this is now a normal uh, regular season schedule in which FSU was, I think, already um, on the docket to have to play in Atlanta this year. So um, the Knowles and the Jackets from Russ Chandler Stadium. Last year, FSU wins two out of three there, had a great offensive weekend. Matt Nelson was ridiculous. Uh, this weekend, different FSU team going up there, uh, but Georgia tech, very similar, right? A, a lot of guys who come back in that lineup. And, uh, once again, you could argue that this is one of the best five lineups in college baseball in Atlanta. Yeah. You look up and down this lineup and it's, it's problem after problem. Um, I mean, their leadoff guy, you know, he's missed a good bit of time, but I mean, he's almost sitting 500. I mean, Kevin Prado is going to be a first round pick. 
Andrew Jenkins, who gave FSU a lot of trouble last year. I think that was the one guy that really got FSU every game last year. I think he had a home run in each game. Um, you know, he's still hitting around 380. Um, I mean, Trace Gonzalez, who hit, you know, above 300 last year, is hitting above 300 again. Drew Compton has power from both sides, and he's hitting over 300. Um, yeah, this this lineup is scary, and they're starting to get healthy as well. Um, Chandler Simpson, that leadoff hitter that I mentioned, just came back this week. Um, Jake DeLeo, an outfielder for them that's hitting over 300, just came back last week after missing, I believe, a month's time. Um, so it's a team that struggled a little bit recently, but they're starting to get all their pieces back together. Um, you know, like you mentioned, it, it kind of seems like the same story with Tech every year where, man, they're really going to hit. But, you know, defensively and, and pitching, there's, there's a lot of question marks. Yeah, I look at this Georgia Tech team and they're number six in the country in home runs with 56. And <laughs> this is going to be this is going to be strength on strength. I think, you know, Aaron mentioned it himself that, that you know, the Georgia Tech hits the baseball. They're known uh, for their gorilla ball approach. And uh, Florida State this year has been really relying on on excellent starting pitching and then some good bullpen arms. So it is a <clears throat> a battle of strengths, excuse me. Uh, but I look at the lineup there, and uh, like you said, Brett, I mean, gosh, so many guys hitting 300. Simpson's almost 500. That transfer from UAB, he can also swipe uh, multiple bags in each game. He's he's a menace on the paths. He can absolutely fly uh, and doesn't really strike out. Only six strikeouts all season long, but. The rest of the lineup, though, Brett, does strike out quite a bit. They uh, have a lot of swing and miss in their game, and a lot of that could be due to, you know, you kind of feast or famine a little bit um, when you hit home runs the way that you do. Do you think FSU's rotation uh, could neutralize this offense? Yeah, and that's not because I don't think very highly of, of Georgia Tech's offense, but more so because I think, like I said, this team can – it can neutralize any offense when it's going right. Um, you know, Parker's just got to keep doing what he's been doing the last couple of weeks. Um, Bryce has, has needs to be sharper than the last few weeks he has been. But um, I think like me mentioned, like I think the last three starts has kind of all been kind of weird circumstances. I think, you know, wake, it was pushed back a day. Um, you know, last week it was pushed back a few hours. Uh, I don't remember what the other one was, but there's been three starts recently where it's been, you know, all kinds of different situations for Bryce. So, you know, hopefully he can just have a normal Saturday, get into his routine and be a little bit sharper, especially with the breaking balls. Um, really hasn't had them the last couple of starts. Um, so we'll see what, what he can do there. But um, and Ross, I think he just needs to keep building off last week, even though he gave up five runs. Um, felt like he was a lot sharper and just, and just missed a couple of spots. Um, so it just needs to be a bit sharper with the curveball. Um, you know, keep pounding the zone with the fastball uh, and just, you know, keep the ball down against, especially against that Georgia Tech lineup. And, you know, last year, I remember that that park, it felt really small when we were there. It felt like, you know, any ball in the air kind of had a chance to leave. Um, so, you know, there's obviously that dangerous factor of the home run when you play there. But, you know, I'm never going to sit here and say FSU's pitching staff doesn't have a chance to neutralize an offense. Yeah, just to go a little bit deeper, too, on this Georgia Tech lineup, just because we're doing this preview, uh, Parada, 378, 12 home runs and 43 RBIs. Brett, 717 slugging percentage. Um, holy cow. <laughs> that's that's something. Uh, Parada walks more than he strikes out, and there's a reason, folks. You're going to hear Parada's name very high in the first round uh, of the MLB draft this summer. I think some people think he could be a top-five pick, um, those who are extremely high on, on him. But a lot of people think that's the first catcher coming off the board uh, and Parada's hit tool is so good that uh, I could see Parada being in the MLB in like the next two seasons. Like it's, it's that type of, of bat. Um, and then of course, Jenkins, as Brett mentioned, has had Florida state's number uh, and he smashes too. you know, nine home runs, 35 RBIs. And then they've got a couple other guys, Gonzalez that, uh, excuse me, uh, Borden, Tim Borden, the second seven home runs, eight home runs from Drew Compton. Gosh, Compton feels like he's been there for a really long time. Um, and then, uh, Jake DeLeo was the name that, that Brett also mentioned, um, who came back from injury and has hit at a high level. So you look up and down that lineup, they hit 327 as a team on base percentage of 427. And you wonder, all right, well, how is Georgia tech 19 and 11? How do they, how are they five and seven in the ACC? Uh, how has Georgia tech lost three series in a row and got swept by, 
uh, I want to say NC State. And the reason is they defend really poorly and their pitching staff has really struggled uh, so far to this season. 6-11 ERA. Uh, none of their starting pitchers have really been impressive all year. They've had to move some guys out. Uh, Zach Maxwell, a flamethrower who throws 98 to 100, um, was starting for the first four or five ga- four or five weekends, and then they pulled him out to put him back in the pen. Um, and they've gone to Cody Carwile, who has been uh, really good out of the pen for them, but has not translated that in his last two starts. He's been uh, hit a little bit uh, as he got moved into the rotation. Marquise Grissom, uh, there's a familiar baseball name uh, for those of you who know the, the Grissom family. Uh, that is the son of Marquise Grissom. And uh, he has been off and on battling injuries his really his whole career since getting to Georgia Tech. And then Chance Huff, who's their Friday guy, transferred from Vandy, uh, ERA of 525 on Friday nights. And so Brett and I were looking through this. And then, uh, Brett, I'll let you kind of uh, delve a little bit deeper into each of these three starting arms. But it feels like really good stuff. Not exactly the best command from some of them. And they've had a, a problem with giving up some home runs, too. Yeah. So first in the defense, I think that I think that GT really struggled when Simpson was out because he's also their shortstop and is a solid defender there. Um, so with him back there, I don't think it's a completely, you know, a complete liability of their defense, but you know, you can't put pressure on them and, and make, you gotta have to make them make plays. Um, but, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head with the pitching staff. There's a lot of stuff there. Um, there's going to be guys to come out and, you know, throw a shutdown inning or two with really good stuff. And you say, how the heck does he have an ERA that high? Um, but, you know, the command is an issue for them and also the home run, um, you know, a little bit that's that, of that's got to do with their ballpark for sure. But, um, you know, overall, I think it is like you said, I mean, you know, especially in the bullpen, the stuff is there. Um, I mean, Dawson Brown who's the son of Kevin Brown, um, has the most saves for them. Uh, really good sinker, I believe in the low nineties, but he's got a nine, eight, two ERA because he gave up seven runs and a third of an inning last week. Um, you know, before that he had been, you know, pretty solid for them. Uh, like I said, leads a team with three saves. Luke Bartnicki threw a lot against Florida state last year under the pen. I think he threw like three or four innings. Uh, he has an 11, five, seven ERA this year, but he also throws, you know, hard from the left side, I believe he's up to 95 with the, with a good curveball. but the issue with him has always been walks. Um, he has eight walks and 9.1 innings this year. Um, uh, he's also given up a home run. Uh, so those are a couple of the, the bullpen arms we might see also Sam Crawford. We saw him last year as well. Um, but I mean, all these kids, their ERAs are pretty much over five, um, and in the rotation as well. I mean, you got four, nine, seven, five, two, five, and, uh, you know, a bullpen arm that really hasn't shown you yet that he can, that he can start. So, um, you know, it's a weekend that FSU might be able to get the, 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 the bats hot, but at the same time, um, you know, if, if Georgia tech's arms are throwing strikes, um, they can be tough to hit from time to time. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good breakdown there, uh, of the, of the arms, um, you really hope Florida State finds some answers. It's going to be a fun crowd in, I think, Ross Chandler all weekend. Uh, always a lot of garnet and gold that makes their way. Uh, a lot of Knowles in the Atlanta area that have a chance to watch FSU, uh, you know, in their neck of the woods. And um, I know last year it was COVID restricted and there was a lot of garnet and gold. And I can only imagine what it's going to look like uh, this weekend. I know it's the spring weekend uh, for football, which might have, you know, some effects uh, because there might be some, some fans from Atlanta making their way down to Tallahassee for the weekend. Um, but nonetheless, I think you'll have a, a pretty good FSU contingent on hand to watch this. Uh, I think, Brett, I think this is a weekend for FSU. You want to keep Georgia tech between five and seven runs for most of the games. I don't think you're going to completely shut them down. I just don't see that. Uh, maybe Parker can, maybe one of the three starts will be fantastic, but I expect Georgia Tech to have some success. The question is, and the key is, you can't allow five, you can't allow eight, nine double-digit runs. You, you keep them to five to seven, I think your offense has a, a chance against that pitching staff to uh, win a couple games. Yeah, you definitely can't go into this weekend, weekend thinking as offense that you know the pitching staff's going to limit the other team to three or less runs every game or anything like that. Um, 
you know, I think the other thing too is what's huge when you play a good offensive team like this is you can't give them three ounce, you can't give them extra ounce. Um, if FSU walks a bunch of runners this weekend or makes some errors, um, I think that really opens up a door, a door, the door for a team like Georgia Tech. Um, you know, I would like to see a FSU be really aggressive on the base pass this weekend, like they were um, on Sunday. I believe it was they stole a couple bases against Notre Dame. Um, you know, Parada is a really good hitter, but he does have question marks defensively. He's only thrown out four of 28 runners so far this year. Um, so, you know, you have an opportunity there to to create some havoc on the base path, get base path. And, you know, Meats always wanted to do that. And I think this weekend could be an opportunity for you to do that. Um, and I think if you're able to take advantage of that and, and, you know, get productive ounce off of that, that you can go up there and get a series win. But like I said, I think the biggest thing for me is just you can't you can't give Georgia Tech free bases at all. I mean, it's a pitching staff, by the way, Brett, for Georgia Tech that's given up 10 or more runs six times this season. They gave up 27 to Wake Forest in a game. And uh, against Virginia they, this past weekend in a series loss, they gave up 18 runs and 13 runs. Like it's it's a it's a staff that FSU, I think this lineup could really break out in a big way this weekend. I really think you could see that. Um, and then hopefully you see that. Uh, game times are six o'clock on Friday, four o'clock on Saturday, two o'clock on Sunday. First two games, ACC Network Extra, game three on ACC Network nationally. Uh, Brett, uh, quickly, any other thoughts on this Georgia Tech matchup before we move on to about two to three minutes of national, uh, the national picture? No, just looking forward to getting back to that stadium. Obviously, probably some of the best views in college baseball and you know on a small on the smaller side of you know attendance but um man it, it's it's one of the better places to watch a baseball game and if you're in the Atlanta area and you can catch some baseball up there I would I would highly recommend it yeah I actually expect Brad this weekend you might see three to four thousand fans at their games just because FSU is a brand name uh in that area and uh the the full the full capacity being back I think could help. It should be fun. You'll have a lot of, you're going to have a blast uh, covering these, these three games uh, up there. All right. uh, Around the country, some big ACC weekends, Uh, Virginia, number three team in the country goes to number eight, Miami. I think this is the weekend, by the way, Brett, we find out if Virginia is for real because I'm picking Miami to win that series. Uh, I wanted to hear your thoughts on that quickly too. Yeah, I'm still not fully bought in on Virginia. And, you know, I think Miami's a very, you know, exciting young team and I think just whoever plays cleaner in that series will win it um you know I think they they're pretty I think Miami is probably the more talented team but I think you know Virginia is the more experienced team and the team that's you know going to make them the play the more routine plays and the timely plays more often um like they've done so far this season um you know I don't expect Virginia to just be blowing them out every game like we've seen in some of these ACC series um We'll see. I mean, Miami is probably one of the hottest teams in the country right now, if not the hottest. I think they scored like 17 runs on FIU yesterday. And, you know, FIU is not having a great season, but it just seems like all those young, the young kids down in Miami are all starting to figure it out right now. Yeah. And then, then you got uh, TCU at Texas, 23 TCU, a team that FSU will play later this season at number seven, Texas. Um, and then uh, looking at some other big matchups, Arkansas. That's a Thursday through Saturday at Florida, number two ranked Razorbacks. Um, And then uh, another ACC weekend, uh, UNC 22 at number 12, Louisville. Um, Brett, your thoughts nationally right now and in the ACC, who stood out to you uh, in the ACC and who are some teams you've liked watching uh, around the country? Yeah, I mean, obviously Virginia has been pretty dominant so far and you know, I think Louisville's had a bit of a resurgence this year, resurgence this year. And, you know, they just have a lot of that from their bats and, um, you know, a lot of bats that came back this year after struggling last year, um, you know, wasn't a team that I thought would, would be very good this year, but so far, you know, they've been proving me wrong. And, um, nationally, I mean, like Tennessee, like you mentioned, um, I mean, it's just kind of crazy to watch them at this point. I mean, they just kind of easily swept Ole Miss and then easily swept, uh, Vanderbilt, um, I mean, it's never easy to do that. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams that are interesting around the country. And, I, you know, like I've said, I think before in this podcast this year that 
I mean, more so than ever before, everyone's just beating it up on each other because everyone's still got these rosters that are loaded up from a COVID year and all the transfer portal stuff. Um, so, I mean, there's just a lot of really good teams out there. Um, interested to see that Arkansas series. And I think you said they're traveling to Florida, right? Yeah, I'm interested to see how the Gators respond after getting swept last week at Georgia. Um, so interested to see a couple of those matchups. Um, you know, I think college baseball is just starting to ramp up with some of these series. And I just think it's going to get more and more exciting as the season goes on. I know you were really high on Texas state and now they've surged into the top 10 in some polls. Uh, it's always cool to see some of those smaller schools show out. You know, a few years ago, it was Missouri state who was really good. Always a couple teams out West that end up impressing like Cal Poly that one year. Um, and then again, Gonzaga seems to be pretty good baseball team. That's an older veteran club. Uh, but Brett, that's what makes college baseball fun is like you said, those, those older rosters and, um, it's the one sport I truly believe out of the big three, you know, college football, basketball, baseball, where anything can truly happen. Yeah. And I think Texas state Georgia Southern is actually, um, an under the radar series this weekend. That's going to be a really good series. I think both those teams are teams that we could see in the postseason this year. And that could be vying for some, you know, RPI this weekend and some, you know, so it's just, I think it's, that's a huge series when it comes to postseason play. And, you know, those conferences aren't going to get a ton of bids and, you know, they have the automatic bid, but they're not going to get much more after that. So interested to see that, you know, I think Texas state like has a crazy number amount of stolen bases and they just score a lot of runs. Um, you know, like, like you said, I was pretty high on them early in this season after just seeing their strength of schedule and everything. Um, so, yeah, you know, those fun teams are always fun to watch. Gonzaga's got some of the best arms in the country. I mean, they have a kid throwing 100 miles per hour that starts from a sidearm slot. Um, that's not even their Friday night guy. So, um, you know, it wouldn't be fun facing that pitching staff every weekend. So, um, yeah, it's just college baseball is at its best right now, I think. All right. Well, Knowles need a big weekend at Georgia Tech. Get things back on track. And uh, Georgia Tech, by the way, top 10 in RPI. So you have a chance to really bolster your RPI here in mid-April, or early April, I should say, moving into mid-April um, when you go to Atlanta. Again, uh, 6 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 2 o'clock are the start times. Brett and I will be back early next week for a podcast. Uh, we may we may wait till after the Gator game on Tuesday uh, back here in Tallahassee to uh, record a pod uh, for next week. But uh, we'll talk to you soon. We appreciate you guys. We're on Spotify, on uh, Apple Pods, on uh, Google Pods, and uh, always appreciate that five-star rating if you could give it to us. Uh, leave us a comment. Leave us a review. Please email us, uh, tweet at us, and uh, give us your questions. We'll be uh, excited to, and interested to answer those for you next week. Until we do talk to you soon, for Brett Nevitt, I'm Mario Masudi, and this was Sunday Golds.